We're almost done with the book of Philippians. And tonight we go into chapter 4, verse 10 to 13. Chapter 4, verse 10 to 13. Let's look at the book of Philippians, chapter 4. <clears throat> Short book, but a lot of truth in this book. And tonight the preacher is going to preach to himself and to you as well, because I need to hear this message tonight. Um, if you could stand, please, as we read God's Word tonight. Look what the Bible says here in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care for me had flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Now that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned... Then whosoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and how and I know how to abound. Everywhere, there, everywhere, and in all things, I am entrusted both to be full, and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. It's very encouraging, Lord. The secret of contentment, Lord. We need to learn that. I need to learn that. Every person in this room needs to learn that. We don't find contentment in the things of this world. We find contentment in you. I pray, Father, may we keep that thought in mind tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the secret of contentment we look about tonight. What's the secret of contentment? So we are coming to the end of our journey in the book of Philippians series. Throughout this series, we have been looking at various ways that God has called us to press on together in the gospel. What a blessing to press on together, to move forward, to press on. God doesn't call you to, uh, to doesn't call you or neither me to be a Christian alone. Instead, He places you in a community of believers where you can worship. You can fellowship and minister and serve together. That's why we call the local body of Christ is a place on which we can flourish, serve one another, encourage one another, serve the Lord, worship Him together. Okay? So, we come to this, these final two sessions of the letter and we are introduced to a new aspect of partnership as we press on to get in the gospel, that is supporting the work of the gospel with our finances. So one of the main reasons Paul wrote this whole letter to begin with was because the church of Philippi had sent them a financial gift to support him because uh, why he was preaching the gospel in prison. So he was writing to acknowledge their gift and to encourage them in their partnership in the gospel with him. So we learn, I mean, uh, one thing I'm going to tell you here, we are a church plant and we have church churches that, that uh, support us. And I tell you, every newsletter that I write, I always say, thank you so much for your prayers and your financial support. Remind them that it is a great privilege that we have as they're supporting us because they don't have to, but they do it. And many of them actually told us it was one year. There we are seven years later, and they're still supporting us. So praise the Lord for that. Okay? They told me openly, you know, one year and they're still supporting us. By the grace of God, they're doing. So praise the Lord for that. So I always say thank you so much. 
So we will learn more about this financial, financial partnership in the gospel in the next week message, week's message because in this week's passage, Paul concentrates on the different, difference, uh, but on, on a different or the secret of contentment right here. He shares with us about Christian contentment and the secret of being contentment in all circumstances. So, what do you want to know a secret? Do you want to know a secret? Okay. Our love hearing secrets, don't we? Do you like to hear secrets? All right. All right. Do you want to know a secret? Yes, tell us a secret. We all love to hear secrets, okay? There's something about knowing a secret that makes us feel special. Privileged to have this information that other people don't know, right? Some people can't keep secrets. Right? Can you keep a secret? <laughs> At least you're honest. <laughs> I can tell you no secrets. Okay. <laughs> Don't get offended. I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> so, you know, some people cannot keep a secret. You say, you know, someone, uh, you know someone comes up to them uh, and says, do you want to know a secret? I can only tell you if you promise me one thing. You won't tell Anyone, okay? So they promise, and they, they immediately go to someone else and say, hey, I want to tell you a secret, but you promise me you don't tell anyone. And another person says, yes, I won't tell anyone. And that person goes and says, hey, I know a secret, but you don't tell anyone. You know, and it goes on. Well, some people is like this. You tell them a secret, and it's sealed. That's it. Ain't going nowhere. All right? Some people, they're like, hey, I know a secret. You want to hear? Oh, yeah, but you don't tell anyone. All right, I'll tell anyone. And they hear the secret, they go tell, hey, I know a secret, but promise me, you don't tell anyone, right? No, I don't tell anyone. And the secret keeps on traveling, okay? <laughs> so, you want to hear a secret? Yeah. Promise don't tell anyone? Okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Ever done that? <laughs> it's okay. You don't need to raise your hand. It's a secret, okay? All right. Well, Paul shares with us a secret today that it's okay to share with everyone else, okay? You want to know what the secret is? The secret of contentment. So if, you, <laughs> if you're not good on keeping secrets, then this is one good for you so you can tell them, all right? So it's not a secret because it is a privileged information right here. It's, it's a secret because so many people don't know it, and even if you told them, many would not believe it, okay? It is a secret of contentment, the secret of being content, no matter what your circumstances may be. So that's a pretty good secret. Wouldn't you say? Some people never find contentment. So let me tell you, we're going to talk about the secret of contentment this, tonight. Not this morning, tonight. So let's look about this thing tonight. And let me tell you, I'm going to include myself in this because I need to learn how to be content as well. So how we learn this uh, secret of content contentment. Okay, number one. All right, you ready? How we learn to be content? Number one, rejoice in God's provision. Rejoice in God's provision. Look what it says in verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Look what it says. I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Now uh, that now and at the last you care of me, I'm sorry, of me had flourish again. He says, I rejoice in the Lord. They give him something, but he's rejoicing 
in the Lord. So if you want to learn the secret of contentment, contentment in all, all circumstances, the first step is to rejoice in God's provision. So, let me put it this way. Does God provide? Yes. All right. Let me ask again. Does God provide? Yes. Amen. God provides. So, you know, sometimes you need to say, yes, God provides. You know, let me put it like the general things that we don't think about. God provides the air that you breathe. You will not think about that. God provides you the rain and the snow and the sun. That's God's provisions. You say, well, that's God's provision. Besides a place to sleep, a house to live in, besides a car to drive. Oh, I work for those things. Okay. You know what you are? A steward of God's provision. God provides you a job. So, oh, no, I apply for that job. God opened the door for you to be there. See, rejoice in God's provision. So, joy has been a common theme throughout this entire letter. And here Paul sounds the note of joy again. This time in response to the, response to the gift that the Philippians had sent him in prison. In fact, he says, I rejoice greatly. This is the first time in this letter, and the only time in all these letters that Paul adds the word greatly. He means he's overjoyed, he's overwhelmed. The Philippians' gift of financial support lift his heart and lift him with great joy. I'll tell you this way. Okay. Testimony right here. When we first started going to amputation, we went to several churches. We got not even one church that would support us. Not one. And it's like, oh, maybe the Lord doesn't want us to get support. I don't know. But the first time one church took us support, we came home rejoicing greatly, singing songs of Zion and giving praise to God. Somebody believed in us. Somebody believed in us. We were rejoicing. But it took a little while. We went to several churches before that happened. You see, you see, the Lord provides. So rejoicing in God's provision. Look, it says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that, that now and at the last you care of me. So he says, I know that you care about me. I rejoice about that, but I rejoice in the Lord. So the gift represented their friendship with him and their partnership in the gospel with him. So Paul was glad to receive the gift and he was thankful to the Philippians, but he recognized that this was God's provision in his life, and so he rejoiced greatly in the Lord. So, the Philippians give him the gift. Okay. But he saw that it was God's providing for him through the Philippians. That's why he was rejoicing greatly. You know, somebody comes to you, give you something, we rejoice, we're grateful, but let's rejoice in the Lord because the Lord used somebody to be a blessing to us. Amen. Okay? So, your first step to learning the secret of contentment is to rejoice in God's provision. This starts by acknowledging that everything you have comes from God. When we understand, when we put in our mind, everything that I got comes from God. And praise the Lord, He gives me the health or the, uh, the health to work for what I got. Sometimes we say, I'll work for all of this. We should go like this. The Lord allow me to work for all of this and bless me with all this. Because ultimately, God allows those things. So, yes, you work hard for your paycheck, but He provides you with your health, the skills, and the opportunity for work. You know, I've seen people... For an example, I've seen people come to work. I was in management for a long time. They come to work for you, and they don't even know how to get a hammer 
in their hands and put a nail through a two by four. He said, is people like that who go like this? Yes, they are. Well, Robert says it's me. <laughs> he said, you know what? But, but, but let me put it like this. God may not, may not give that ability to that person, but I believe God gives other abilities to that person to take care of himself. Don't tell me to fix a car because I don't know how. That's why there's mechanics. You know, see, God works with God. Give us the talent to do things like that. So everything you have comes from God. And those things when you are in need, and either your church or family or friends come through, come through for you, yes, thank those who help you. We have to. But also recognize that whatever you receive, you receive because God worked through them. Okay? So now, you may be wondering about Paul's phrase right here in verse 10. Where he says, at the last you care of, my, uh, for, of, of me had flourished again. At first it almost sounds like he's scolding right here the Philippians that they didn't help him sooner. You can take it that way, but it's not what it says, okay? See, uh, it says, finally you send me something. It's about time. You might think that way. No, no. There's, that actually been about a 10-year gap he has spent since had, he had their last help Paul financially. And I think Paul realized that, that they might take it the wrong way. So he clarifies in, uh, what, uh, what he means with the rest of the verse ended like this. In, indeed, you have been concerned, my own words, but had not opportunity to show it. You follow that? How many missionaries that we express concern, but we don't support them? But we want to. It might come a day that I say, brother, I've been praying for you, never got the opportunity, or never was able to support you, but here it is right now. I'll give you an example. The Fellowship League. Okay, Fellowship League. What's Fellowship League? They print tracts by the millions, and they give it to you free. This is the third time they help us with free tracks. And today, the Lord impressed in my heart, send them a gift. You know what I did? Write them a check. I'm sending them a gift. They've been a blessing before. I know they've been a blessing before, but now the Lord impressed in my heart, and the Lord impressed me, so through me, they receive a blessing. But God is using me to be a blessing to them. And they, say, they were going to say, I rejoice greatly on what you have done. See, same thing Paul says. You send the gift, but I'm rejoicing greatly on what you have done. You support me in the past. Here you are supporting us again. There was a church that supporting us uh, when we started. They stopped supporting us. And suddenly, they're supporting us again. What happened here? There was a gap of time. They knew exactly where we were. They know what we're doing. Who knows what happened there? But then they, we were in their minds, and guess what? They pick it up again. That's the same thing that goes on here with Paul. And Paul says, I rejoice greatly. But look what he says, in the Lord. Because the Lord is the one that puts in your heart. Okay? So Paul is not upset with them here. He's not implying that they should have helped him sooner. Now he makes it clear that he knows they have been concerned for him all along. Their hearts were there for him. They just did not have the opportunity to show it. So they would have love, uh, uh, love to him, but it was out of their control. And therefore, 
not their, not their fault. And Paul expresses that here. So don't misunderstand the words here. So the second step of learning the secret of contentment is learning to be a giver, not a taker. All right? You want to be content? Okay, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. What the Bible says here, actually, let's, let's the, word of, the word of the Lord talk about these, or these things. It's better to give than to receive. Secret of contentment is to be a giver, not a taker. There's a lot of takers in our world, a few givers. But look at what it says. Every man, according, according as he purpose in his heart, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, so let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. See what God says? I love those who give with a joyful heart. And believe me. All right. Did you ever give somebody a gift for birthday? All right. Did you ever give somebody a gift for Christmas? Did you ever give somebody a gift? Doesn't matter what it is. You just want to give it. Been there? Do you rejoice with that? See them by them open the paper and all up and then you were like, you have more anticipation than they have. Open, open this. Open this. Ever been there? You see, it's the joy of giving. It's the joy of giving. So you rejoice. And Bible says right here, you know what? It's more. It's the, let me go back here and rephrase it for you. And so God loveth the cheerful giver. You see, listen. The, the secret of, of contentment is not to be a taker, but to be a giver. Amen. You say, well, I don't have no, that much to give. So give with the Lord that you have. You can't you can give away what you don't have. Right? Oh, I wish I could give you a million, do- million dollars, but I don't have it. That's a silly thing to say. You know, give them a dime if you have to that's what you have. You follow what I'm saying here? Sometimes we say silly things. Actually, uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says these words. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Here's the problem of our world. And this happened amongst Christians as well. A lot of people are takers and are givers. And you know what? They miss out. If we just says, take it, take it, take it in, we never sh- see the blessing and the joy in people's faces as we give. Give a track to somebody. Give a track to somebody. Sometimes, like, oh, sometimes we think we have to give the world. No, no, give a track to somebody. It's a free thing. You have it in your hands. Give it out. You see that? It's many things where you can, I mean, I'll put it this way. We went to a restaurant this afternoon, okay? And I don't know how it happened there, but I just said like this. I just said, I had my salmon, <laughs> favor of the house, I just have salmon. And it's supposed to come with the potato and salad. And uh, I said, I look at the, the, the waitress, I said, listen, I don't have a, my salad. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. She comes back and said, free dessert on me. She is, she's all smiles. It made me smile. I was like, I didn't get the dessert. Believe me, I didn't, I didn't eat dessert. I didn't, didn't want it. And she was like, are you sure? No, I'm sure. I don't want dessert. <laughs> I'm not a dessert person. But my wife and my mother-in-law took it. You know, but you see, she was so joyful <laughs> that actually, you know, she was and out of the blue. Just because of two seconds. You see, you see the joy of giving. So, there's, there's one more of the wonderful things about Christian giving here. There is a blessing to, to the giver as he reach out in love and care to someone else. There is a blessing to the one who receives as they receive help in their time of need. And then there's 
praise to God because He is the one who ultimately provides all of our needs. So that is the first step of learning the secret of contentment. Rejoice in God's provision. Be a giver, not a taker. Okay? Number one, rejoice in God's provision. Number two, be content whatever your circumstances. Be content whenever your circumstances or are, so to speak. You can add it there. The second step is to learn the secret of contentment is to be content in whatever circumstances you are in. So contentment is based on circumstances. I'm sorry, contentment that is based on circumstances, not contentment. You follow that? If my circumstances is they are good, then I content. No, you're happy. You follow that? There's a big difference between contentment and happiness. You know, the world, even the world in general, they experience happiness when everything is good. When things go sour, they're not happy anymore. They're not content anymore. They're discontent or unhappy, right? That's what happens. No, contentment is an inner joy that keeps us going even when things are not right. Okay, it's hard to do that. Oh, of course it is. It's a learnable thing. You Listen. We, didn't, we were not born content. Okay, when a child is born, what happens to that child? He cries. Why? Because it's discontent. Why in the world am I doing here? You know, you know. I mean, it's discontent, so they cry. And, I mean, I, every child that is born, what do they do first thing? Like exercising their lungs, you know. You know so <laughs> they're discontent. So we don't know how to be content. We have to learn how to be content. I'm, I'm, preach, I'm preaching to myself tonight, okay? To you as well. But we have to learn to be content, and Paul have learned that. So contentment uh, that is based on circumstances is not contentment. So biblical contentment is that contentment that doesn't waver with circumstances or problems of life. So, is it? Contentment is when we learn to be satisfied right where we are. Think about it. Right now, there are many people, or thousands of people, who are in a worse situation than you are. You agree with me? There are people in a lot worse situations than you are personally, okay? Okay. There are people who are in a lot better situations than you and I are right now. You know, they, they're good financially. Woohoo! Everything is wonderful. You know what? You can't live their lives, either bad or worse. You've got to live your life. So we learn to be content where we are. You follow that? With much or less, we need to, be, we need to, need to learn how to be content right there, okay? Contentment is not about things that we possess. We learn the, secret in, the secrets and contentment when we learn to be content with the things that we have and, and where we are in life. You follow that? Look what it says in Philippians 4.11. Now that I speak in respect of wants. Okay. Was Paul in need? Yes. Paul was in need. And he says, I'm not talking about in the aspect of want. Look what it says. He says about this. For I have learned. You see? I have learned. And so I have a state I am therein, therewith to be content. He says, Paul, Paul says, it doesn't matter where I am in life. I've learned to be content. I'm satisfied where I, where I am. Talking about a person in jail. You think about those jails those days were like today. Today they have, you know, the gyms and they have the TVs and they have cushioned beds. That was not like that. People have to go bring food to them in order for them to eat. 
Besides all the other things that happened there. So Paul is careful once again to clarify his motives in bringing up their gift to him. The whole uh, area of giving can be tricky at times. And sometimes people can be sneaking in their motives when it comes to expressing thanks for certain gifts. So for an example, let me put it this way. Grandma comes to visit visit and her, her grandchild tells her this way. Thank you, Grandma, so much for getting us ice cream last time you were here. That was great ice cream. I really, really, really love your ice cream. What is that child trying to say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got it. You know what? Oh, Grandma, I really, 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 really want you to get me some more. <laughs> So Paul wants the Philippians to know that he appreciates their gift, but he also doesn't want them to get the wrong idea. So he qualifies his first statement of joy. He tells them that he's not bringing this up because he is in need. He is, in, uh, he is definitely in need, but, but he's not want, he don't want them to think wrong of him. So he's trying to say, he say to them, listen, I appreciate what you did. I know you care about me, you're concerned about me, but you know what? I've learned even if I don't have nothing, to be content right in that state. Okay? So the reason Paul can say this is because he learned to be content whatever the circumstances were for him. So the word translated content here is a word that speaks of self-sufficiency. It was a very important word for a group called called, uh, 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 Stokois, I believe, in the the time. They had a a type of people that they, they, they... is the word stoic. stoic? Yeah, that's the word. I'm sorry, I, I mispronounced the word. But there's a group of people that learn that you know they learn how to be content in the situations of life. But let me tell you, we're not those kind of people. We are Christians. Okay? We're not going to compare ourselves to other people and say, oh, we're going to be like them. No, no, no. We are Christians. And as Christians, we need to trust the Lord and uh, 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 wear in the Lord's provision and be content where we are. Listen. Our world is full of so much discontented people. Discontented people, they don't, they don't see what they have and where they are, and they want something else. But if the Lord wants us to have something else, the Lord will provide. Okay? So don't misunderstand me here, okay? So, what Paul is saying, Christian contentment, my... Uh, uh, it, is, it is something that comes from the Lord, something that we learn. So Christian contentment does not mean that, that you simply accept your lot, whatever the circumstances are. You can certainly work to change a bad, a bad situation, and you should always seek to improve yourself. You follow that? Oh, well, I'm going down the river, and there's a fall, but oh, well, I'm just going to fall down there, and if I die, then I'm dead. That's not contentment. That's, self, that's self-pity. Do you follow that? That's self-pity. Contentment is, you know what, I'm here, but the Lord gave me talent to better myself. You follow that? Listen, the Lord gives us talents for us to use it. You're a musician, play music. You're a preacher, preach. You're a teacher, teach. You're a mechanic, fix cars. You know, as many things... <laughs> Many things you can do. So, so you certainly, like I said, you uh, work to change a bad situation. You should always seek to improve yourself. So, for an example, 
Uh, we found this in 1 Corinthians uh, 7, where Paul is instructing slaves who have become Christians. He writes, actually, go to 1 Corinthians 7, 20, 21. Look at this, like what Paul says in there. Seven, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 21. Okay? It's pretty clear what Paul says in here. All right, look what it says. Art thou called being a servant? He makes that question mark. Don't let it trouble you. You see that? There is a Christian contentment side right here. Cannot for it, but if thou mayest be f- made be free, use it rather. You see, Paul says, okay, if you're a servant, serve. Don't let that trouble you. Be content even being a servant. See, we need, see, here's the problem of us. We don't want to serve, we want to be served. Isn't that what we want to do? We don't want to serve. You know, I put it like this. Oh, I was thinking this way. Oh, I'm going to this restaurant. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to relax. I'm going to have this nice meal. All right. How the meal got there? Somebody prepared for you. Somebody's bringing it to the table. Somebody's working so you can have a good time. You see that? See the blessings that we miss? So. We need to make sure we don't mistake Christian contentment for personal laziness or lack of godly ambition. Are you in a bad situation? All right, then pray about it and work to change it. Are you lacking in Christian character? Ask God to help you become a better Christian or or more like Christ. Are you struggling with your finances or illness? Do what you can to change your circumstances. But in, 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 but in entering while we are waiting for the desire to change, trust God with your circumstances and seek to honor Him in your circumstances. You follow that? All right. Lord, the only thing I have today is just dry bread. I have nothing else. Ask the Lord to bless the bread. That's what you have. I'll tell you what. You might not believe this. You know when I, I was a time in, uh, in my life, I was a kid. My parents didn't have much. You know, sometimes the bread that we had had little hairs growing out of it. You know what we did? We got the knife and cut the hairs out of it and ate the bread. Because you either eat it or you look at it. You see, that was not just once. It was a lot of times. My mom said, that's what we had. That's the only thing we got. Can you learn to be content in those circumstances? Yes, of course. That's the only thing we got. Can we bet ourselves? Absolutely. You see, God has good things to teach you in difficult times, and you want to make sure you don't miss it. It's lesson for you. So Paul really, man right, is that he is content Whenever circumstances, or, or because you learn how to do that. So just in case you think you might not really mean, uh, uh, he might not really mean what he says. Paul goes on to describe his own experience. Actually, look at Philippians uh, verse twelve. Look what he says. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Where uh, everywhere, in in all things, I am entrusted both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So Paul had lived on both ends of the spectrum here. 
He experienced times of excruciating needs, and he experienced times of plenty. And he had learned the secret of being content in both situations. So Paul didn't seek satisfaction in material things when he didn't have them, and he didn't find his satisfaction in material things when he had them. You know, before he met Jesus, he was very wealthy. He met Jesus, he lost everything. And he learned to be content in both situations. You know, I heard some Christians say to the, I'm not saying anybody here have done that, but I heard other Christians say, if God loved me, he would not allow me to live in these circumstances. Well, God loves you. We just need to learn how to live where we are and bet ourselves where we are. Okay, for one job's not enough, get two. Oh, I can't work two jobs. Yes, you can. I've done it. Not out of want, out of necessity. I said, it is always ways we can bet ourselves, and God will give us the contentment to go through it. See, okay, so here comes, the, here are some of the temptations you face during seasons when you have plenty. Number one, the temptation to find your satisfaction in things rather than God. The temptation to take pride in your possessions. The temptation to be greedy for more. The more we have, the more we want. The temptation to worry about losing the things you have gained. Isn't that true? People are like, oh, I want to buy steal my stuff. As someone puts it, a balance simply shifts one's focus from getting things to keeping the things as uh, things one has. Paul had learned to be content in all circumstances because his contentment was not dependent on the circumstances. His contentment was on the Lord. We talked a few weeks ago about living above the circumstances instead of under our circumstances. Paul told the Philippians not to worry about anything and now he models that for them with his attitude with Christian contentment. So contentment does not, doesn't come naturally to any of us. Listen, folks, our tendency is to complain. Follow that? We humans, our tendency is to complain, not to be content. If it rains, oh, goodness, I don't like rain. I want sun, skies. If it's, if it's uh, sunny skies, it's too hot. I want the snow. If it snows, oh, goodness, nobody can drive in this. See what we do? We are complainers right. by nature. <laughs> <laughs> we are complainers by nature. It comes a plate of food. I don't like this food. Oh, I can. Why we don't like the food? Because we're not content with the things that God provides. I understand. Listen, I understand. Here's one thing. Black eyed peas are not my friends. Okay? <laughs> you follow that? If they come to my table, they're not my friends. And one day I had to learn to be content with the great IPs or black IPs, whatever they're called, because I got my Emily looking at me, and I don't want to eat these black IPs, and she's looking at me, she doesn't want to eat. And I was going, mmm, this is so good. <laughs> I don't know if my wife remembers that. But those, those beans are not, are not, black IPs are not my friend. But you know what? Sometimes we're just not content even with those things, you know. God made them. Okay, let's, number one, okay. Rejoicing God's provision, that's a secret of contentment. Number two, be content whatever you, your circumstances. Number three, look to Jesus for your strength. 
That's the secret of contentment. So far we have looked at two steps. Rejoice in God's provision. Be content whatever your circumstances. And then the third we see looking to Christ for your strength. We see this in verse 13. Look what it says. Verse, verse, verse 13, I'm sorry. I can do all things to Christ which strengthened me. This is one of the most... This is one of the most popular verses in the Bible, besides John 3.16. You see, in, in, in on posters, uh, you see this on t-shirts, you see this on coffee mugs. It consistently it ranks top ten of people's favorite Bible verses. And it should be. This is a wonderful verse, okay? And one, uh, uh, and, and one I often turn, uh, turn to encouragement and strength for us. Uh, something happened, I can do all things to Christ. And oh, we got all pumped up, Okay? But let me tell you this. Unfortunately, it is also one of the most misapplied verse in the Bible. Many people read this verse, okay? From its, uh, uh, from its uh, I'm sorry, many people read this verse apart from its context and apart from the full scoop of Scripture and misinterpret it the, what it means. I can do all things I want through Him that gives me strength. All right? That's the way the people do. I can do all things I want through Him who gives me strength. That's not what the Bible says. Okay? That's not what it says. So, so the person who wants a new car and can't afford the payments goes in the end, walks out of there driving, I can do all things that I want because He will give me the strength. What a shame. When it comes to the first payment, woo, how am I going to pay it? All right? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, or the student who never studies tries to cover for their negligent by going to the test and says, I can do all things to Christ. What a shame. Did you study? God gave you a brain. Oh, I can do all things to Christ. That's foolishness. See, uh, it's misinterpreted, misapplied. Okay? So, fortunately, this verse does not say, I can do, I can do or get anything I want because we are all pretty selfish people. Okay? And that would create a nightmare of a world here. Now, it is far better promise in its context, which is simply this. No matter what my circumstances, no matter what trials I may face, no matter how difficult the road ahead, God will give me the strength to make it through. That's what the verse means. Okay? Whatever we need, whatever in need or in plenty, Whatever hungry or well-fed, I can handle everything through Him who gives me the strength to endure it. All right? That's what the verse says. Paul is in jail. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know what? And people all over the place misinterpret the verse. All the time. Okay, so, and so the promise is not, I can do anything I want, but rather I can do everything God calls me to do through Him who strengthens me. So the secret of contentment is not self-sufficiency, but Christ-sufficiency. The strength I need does not come from within, it comes from without. Okay? When I'm weak, then I am strong. So what is the secret of contentment? One dictionary defines contentment as the state of being mentally or emotionally satisfied with things as they are. You follow that? Oh, goodness, I wish I had that people's house. Why I don't have that people's house? Do you have one? Be content where you are. All right? 
Oh, goodness, I wish I had that truck going by. Be content with the little car that you drive. That's me. <laughs> okay? You see, see how easy for us to complain? If God blesses you, then give God the glory. If God blesses you, you through someone like the Philippians did to Paul, give God the glory. Rejoice greatly for what they have done for you, okay? So, today is a, it's rare that we find someone who, truly, who is truly content with his or her condition in life. The Bible has a great deal to say about contentment. Being satisfied with what we have, who we are, and where we are going. Okay? Listen to what Jesus said about this subject of contentment. Go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Looking about contentment, Jesus reinforces this passage here in Philippians. Look what it says. Matthew 6, 25. Look what it says. Therefore, what a wonderful word. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what shall ye eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on, for is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? You know what Jesus is saying right here? Be content where you are. In essence, Jesus is telling us to be content with what we have. Whatever or moreover, it is, uh, he has given us a direct command not to worry about the things of this world. You know what? Worry is a big thing in our world today. Don't worry. Then Jesus adds these words. Look what it says in verse 33 on Matthew 6. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And look what it says. And all these things shall be added unto you. God says, seek God and His righteousness and everything else. He will add it unto you. You see that? We worry, we worry about all kinds. You know, one thing, you know what one of the hardest things for a man to decide is you just finish a good meal and your wife goes, oh, what are we going to do for lunch? Oh, my belly is full. <laughs> I'm satisfied right now. Okay? So, from Jesus' words, we can dilute that lack of contentment is sin and puts us in the same category as those who do not know God. The Apostle Paul was a man who suffered and went without the comforts of life more than most people could ever imagine. Actually, go to 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. Look what it says right here. Goodness, did Paul suffer? And he learned to be content. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 11, and look at, let's pick up at verse 23. Look what it says. Are they ministers of Christ? He says, I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abounded in, in stripes, more above measure, in prison, more frequent, and that's oft. Of the Jews, five times receive I forty stripes saved one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, twice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in, in journey, uh, journeyings uh, often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils uh, by mine uh, own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in wearing in painfulness, in watching oft, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and, and nakedness, 
In, ver in verse in Deuteronomy it says, Besides those things they are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. You see what Paul says right here? I suffer all these things. And in Philippians he says to you and me, I learned to be content. Wow. Wow. Yet with all the sufferings, Paul knew the secret of contentment right here in verse uh, in Philippians, in verse 13, he says, I can do all things to Christ who strengthened me. The writer of Hebrews adds to the secret of contentment these words. Actually, go to Hebrews chapter 13. Let's look at verse 5. Talking about the secret of contentment here, look what it says. Let your conversation, that word that means your way of life, be without covetousness. And look at the next words. That's what it says. And be content with such things as ye have, for he had said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And verse 6 says, For there we are boldly say, uh, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man, man shall do unto me. But it says right here, And be ye content with such things as ye have. So yet people continue to seek after more of the things of this world, never to find contentment in those things. The bumper sticker that reads, He with the... Uh, he with the most toys wins. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a, a picture of the world, the way it is. Solomon, the wisest and richest man who ever lived, said these words about contentment. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. He that loveth the balance will increase. This is also vanity. You know, is it good to have money? Absolutely. Then money can fix problems. Yes. But I tell you what, money does not buy contentment. How many rich people even take the very lives because they cannot find contentment in the things that they have? And they have money, they can buy anything. Listen, I'm not preaching against money here tonight. Believe me. If God blesses you with well, a lot of that, praise the Lord for it. Just yeah, put your hands up and say, Lord, thank you so much for it. But I tell you what, if we think, you know, as the American dream, the more I have, the more content I'm going to be, that is absolutely nonsense. Because it's not true. Be content with such things as you have means that believers should put their trust and confidence in God, knowing that He is the giver of all good things. James 1.7 Even in the hard times of life. So do, uh, to worry means we do not trust God. The key to overcoming our discontentment and lack of faith is to find out who God really is and how He has been faithful to supply the needs of His people in the past. Listen, God provides. You follow that? God provides every day. He might not give you what you want, but He will give you what you need. You follow that? And in that, we find contentment. You see... Paul didn't, God didn't take him out of prison, but God provided for him. You follow that? Sometimes, oh, if the Lord lo loved me, the Lord would take me out of this situation. If the Lord loved me, you know, I wouldn't be hurting the way I am. God loves you regardless. Paul was a sick man. God loved him. I'm not trying to be insensitive here, believe me. I'm not trying to be. They see such study will grow one's confidence and trust for the future. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves therefore under the, high, the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time.
casting or throwing all your cares, all your problems, everything in him upon him for what? He cares, he cares, he loves you. All right. I don't have food to eat. Give it to God. You say, oh, God's really going to put food in the fridge. Yes, he will. How is he going to do that? You tell me how is he going to do that. He's going to touch somebody's heart. He's going to bring it to your house. He said, you will do that. He does it all the time. It's just a simple example of many things that God can do. Paul didn't die of starvation. You know why? Because God provided. Let me conclude with this tonight. Philippians chapter 4 teaches us three very important steps to learn to be to learn the secret of contentment. Number one, rejoice in God's provision. Be content whatever you use your circumstances and look to Jesus for your strength. Because when you, it comes right down to it, the secret of contentment is Jesus. You cannot be happy without Christ. You know, people, you know, can be content. You cannot be content without Christ. So, so is right here what we need. We need to trust God that God will provide even when circumstances, even when our circumstances are not the ones we want. You know, you know, sometimes, you know, you go through circumstances of life, and you go for one year, two years, three years, and you go, I'm sick of this. You have no right to be so. Let's get out of these circumstances. Do something about it, and God will give you the strength to do so. We learn the secret of contentment by this, you know, I can do those things. I can do it. With God's strength, not my strength. I can do it with God's strength. So do you want to know the secret of contentment? Do you know, oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to know a secret? But I tell you, I want to tell you a secret, okay? But you promise me, don't tell anybody, okay? <laughs> Are you going to tell anybody? All right, tell everybody. All right, you want to know a secret? The secret of contentment is found in Jesus. Follow that? Okay, let me whisper. The secret of contentment is found in Jesus. <laughs> All right? Shh, don't tell anybody. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for your love and mercy and your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that we can find contentment in you. Lord, we can be blessed through other people, but we give honor and glory to you because you use them to be a blessing to us. Lord, we live in a very discontented world. People that do nothing but complain. And Lord, may we learn as your children to be content right where we are. Lord, sometimes the circumstances are not the best ones. Sometimes we even grow weary about them. How can those circumstances be changed? But Lord, help us even in those situations to be content, trusting you, believing in you, for your provision and your guidance. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you could stand, please. Let's have a song of invitation tonight. I'll tell you what, I needed to hear this message tonight as well. You need to hear those messages. 516, 516. Let's sing a couple of verses here and we will go our way. Let's see. 516. Is he all on the altar? 516.
right there in your songbook. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed. But you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Is you all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the Spirit control. sing a second verse as our last verse. Would you walk with the Lord in the light of His Word and have peace and contentment always? You might do with sweet will to be free from all ill on the altar all you must lay is you all on the altar of sacrifice laid your heart does the spirit control you can only be blessed and at and sweet rest as you yield them your body and soul. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, your word is rich of counseling. Thank you for that, Lord. What a lesson I learned tonight. Lord, I pray for each person here tonight. Bless them in a very special way. Lord, we have a week ahead of us. We don't know what the week may bring. But Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to be content right where we are. Lord, the circumstances might not be the best. Lord, we might just be sick of where we are. We just want to do something about it. Lord, give us the strength to do something about it. Give us the strength to move on, go on, and serve you, Lord, with a joyful heart. And like Paul, we say, I've learned to be content. Go with us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.